That's one step away from uh, Dubai to Baton Rouge. (laughs) It might be two steps away. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with hosts Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, episode 397. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Foz Maloud and Seth Miller. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing well, and yourself? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, I think we owe a happy birthday on the show to, to Seth. It was his it birthday. Was, this it was my birthday last week. Yeah. Yes. Uh, did you do something fun? Um, I went to the beach. I took Friday. My birthday was last Friday. I took the afternoon off and went to the beach and sort of forgot to tell some of my uh, co-worker so the one beach I go to near here actually has no cell phone service from T-Mobile <laughs> slash Google Fi so when I got like on the way back home started getting some text messages that were a little awkward but uh, nothing that couldn't be dealt with a couple hours late are you okay? <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't quite to that level it was like hey is this approved can we do this Da-da-da-da. and I was like uh, yeah sorry I was gone for a couple hours my bad um, and then I went back on Sunday because it was so nice just oh, a awesome. hours on the beach so. yeah. and I was supposed th- to be in LA for work so it was all very Last minute, weird, unplanned. I saw the pictures from the beach. Maine has beaches. I did, yeah. I did not, not, not know this. So. Yeah. Really? You uh, didn't know that? Well, I mean, I knew they had like coastline, but I didn't know people went to the beach there. Only for a couple months a year, but yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know well, they got ticks. That's what people that's go. People do. <laughs> you don't go in the water a couple months a year. Actually, the beaches are well used even off season, in my experience. People like walk dogs and whatever on them. So it's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's good to do. Yeah. Good to know. Come visit. Uh, it's great. Should Portland, Maine? Maybe we'll come. Yeah, you might only have to take two connections. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Seven eighty-seven deliveries. This is followed from last week. Uh, they actually did happen. Yeah, American got one last Wednesday, uh, the tenth, and actually took its second. Uh, we're recording this Monday night, the fifteenth. They took another one just late this afternoon. Wow. So there's you know dozens in backlog, maybe over a hundred. There's a lot pending delivery still. Because Boeing sort of you know, slowed down but kept building them even as they weren't allowed to deliver them. So there, there's a lot going on there. Apparently, the sort of inspection and certification process per aircraft is relatively significant. Hmm. Uh, so it's going to take some time, but it's happening. Are they still making 7.8s in Everett or is it all no. Charleston? Okay. All manufacturing now is happening in Charleston. They're still, I think they stored some at Everett or this, or maybe this one was just originally built in Everett and never left. But hmm. um, no, new manufacturing is only happening in Charleston now. So does that mean that they're doing 7.8.8 builds there as well in Charleston? Or are they just not making the 7.8.8 anymore? I, I would say if new 788 orders come in, they'd have to be made in Charleston. Yeah. Or the reason the reason I ask is because like at, that, at one point they were like saying, oh, the 7810s and the 789s will be in Charleston. Well, I thought was that was weird wording. The, if I remember correctly, they built the line that the 10s could only be made in Charleston. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So it was, you know, to make 9s and 10s because they could only make 10s and there's enough orders for 9s, you know, that they needed both. But um, I I don't I can't I'm trying to think of a reason they couldn't make eights there and I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there any outstanding orders for the eights at this point? I have no hmm. idea. Do you have um, that data on hand? Um, let's take a second. I have Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think it would be interesting, Foz. I think the seven eight eight right is. I think it's one of these like go between aircraft airlines now at this point, since there's no seven fives and they may want more capacity than a seven fifty seven or, or sorry, excuse me, an A three twenty one at this point. Oh, I expect a fire sale on seven eight eight to replace the seven fives at this point and yeah. the seven sixes. 
Yeah. There are 39 pending deliveries still. So hmm. um, I don't know exactly where those are in the sort of process, but oh, to who I'm trying to find out who's got them uh, ordered. Uh, Boeing Capital has an order for 13 of its own. Aristana has three. The Republic of Iraq has nine. And unidentified customers have seven. Hmm. Unidentified, some of those could be private also. Republic of Iraq, if it's not the airline, I wonder if it's the Air Force? That's interesting. They, has that shows that they took delivery of, oh, excuse me, no, they have an order for 1-10, uh, 1-9 also, but hmm. I don't know what the details are on that order. Yeah. Um, some new topics. Uh, let's talk about Skipple because it just can't get out of the news. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost vaguely good news, though. True. Um, in our weekly rundown of the, the mess that is travel in Europe, uh, Schiphol is going to issue refunds and credits for passengers basically running their own sort of EU-261 compensation scheme. If you had arrived at the terminal and were stuck in line and therefore missed your flight, they're covering replacement flight costs, they're covering hotels, they're covering like lost hotel reservation refunds, they're, they're covering a huge amount of stuff for uh, consumers there hmm. after a long and I assume contentious debate with uh, the sort of consumer rights groups in the Netherlands. Hmm. So I guess the question I would ask is why would they do this? Uh, because the government was going to F them up pretty royally if they didn't. Okay. But so Skipple is being held responsible for just not, not staffed correctly to handle the number of passengers departing and not telling airlines to slow their roll. Right. They, they didn't have the security line staff. They didn't have, well, I'd say immigration is probably government related, but they didn't have the security line staff. They didn't have the counter staffed necessarily where they were supposed to. So, yeah. I, I, um, I guess I didn't realize that Skipple was privately run. Um, that's surprising. A lot of airports in Europe are. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. I just, I just didn't know that. I yeah. thought, you know, when you look at it, you're like, oh, it's run by the state or something. Does Skipple still run T4 HFK? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Same company. And, yeah, there's there's a lot actually. T one is run by, I think, is run by the Spaniards, mm. or it's going to be something like that. There, there's yeah, there's a lot of overlap coming across that way. Yeah, um, and then I mean, customer support. I mean, I think I think the skippable backlog or the paying of money uh, impacts. It'll be interesting to see how long this takes to like process everything, right? Because on top of this, there's customer support backlogs for other things, including Eurostar, which has closed its phone lines for a month. To clear all of the open tickets. Can I turn my phone off for a month so I don't have to deal with people? <laughs> I wish that's the way it worked. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and I'm trying to remember now who did this. There's an airline that did this. Like Northwest used to do this all the time. <laughs> I was in mid 2020, but uh, like you know, peak COVID stuff. They're like, yeah, we're just not taking new requests. Singapore anymore. could have been. I mean, <laughs> hey, you got your money back eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this has happened a few times, but yeah, Eurostar trains are shutting down the call center for a while, for like a month. And apparently they were closed all of July also. Hmm. So they're keeping it closed for August. Um, trying to clear like the, all the cases that have come in through other channels. I'm <laughs> The irony of these two sort of back-to-back and the topic list here, I've, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire, I traded a departure from Schiphol to a Eurostar trip in mid October. Oh God. <laughs> so, who the hell knows where I'm actually going to end up, but I've got some, I've got some time uh, padding in my schedule to make that work. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then last European story is uh, Heathrow is extending their uh, cap on passengers uh, even longer now. Uh, yeah. The 
prior update was through September 11th. The latest version of this now is through the end of the uh, IATA season, which is October 29th. Wow. So 100,000 passengers a day. This will include the reduction of flights and all sorts of, or passenger count, depending on how they do it. But I assume, you know, United will add rolling delay of its dullest to, well, that was Amsterdam. Uh, never mind. But yeah, the airlines will cut back um, their various services. We'll see if, you know, Emirates pitches another fit or goes along with it this time. Does does this mean, like, I mean, should I avoid Heathrow? I, I, like, there's potential for me to fly through Heathrow in October. Um, should I just say, nah, go some, go through somewhere else? If you've got a ticket, I think, it, you know, the, the story that the airport is telling is, like, no, this is working. Their lines are much reduced. We can actually handle this level of traffic. Mm. And it's not just that they're limiting the total number of passengers. They really are sort of terminal by terminal, hour by hour, reducing capacity. So the overall effect is the 100,000 passengers a day, but they really are trying to get to, this is how many people we know we will be able to staff with. This is what we're going to allow to come through. And, you know, we've got some interesting other sort of staffing level conversations later in the show, but uh, that seems to be working for Heathrow. So they're going to stick with it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I haven't purchased a ticket yet. Right. So watching these, this, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, So, I'm thinking maybe the flights that would be optimal for me probably might be the ones that are cut. So I just have a feeling. Well, yeah, well, that's one of the big risks, obviously, is you take a, you book something and then like the airline decides to trim it off the schedule. And then what do you do? Yeah. Do you take a rebooking? How long of advance notice are they going to give you? At least for most of the stuff via Europe, you get at least two weeks, but that's, you know, rare. Two weeks isn't enough to recover. Yeah. yeah. Um, certainly on a budget. But when are you going to be in Heathrow in London? Uh, I was looking at early October. Okay. So. I mean, when I'm I was sure. hang out in Amsterdam, or I'll be there the second week. Okay. I mean, when I was in London a few weeks ago, immigration was a little backed up. It was more because people couldn't figure out how to use the machines, and now they're dumping yeah. U.S. people into the machines. Um, and, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was just if you had to see an agent, it was pretty bad. And then coming out, is that arriving or leaving? Arriving, yeah. and then um, departing. I didn't fly out of Heathrow, but uh, my friend did, and. He was. He said he was through security in like ten minutes. Yeah, wow. I think they've mostly by by part of it is caps, but they've mostly smoothed things out. But he he was on the six p.m. flight, so yeah. T two at six p.m. for a six p.m. flight is generally dead because there's n- n- the only other flights after that are the ones that start at nine ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then let's move over to Asia, right? Sydney is uh, now experiencing uh, the same pains <laughs> of, of lack of. Uh, staff? Long lines. They're everywhere. <laughs> and no, Australia's not in Asia, but I'm bad at... Yeah, it's Oceania. Thing. It's fine. It's close enough. Seven hours. Other half the world. <laughs> Region three. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're in trouble when I start making IATA jokes. Yes, uh, you are. we are. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see um, if Sydney can pick, pick up the pieces there. They're also talking about caps and reducing volume and things like that. Again, trying to balance... Uh, demand with what they can effectively staff. Yeah, I mean, I guess demand has picked up quite a bit for Australia since Everywhere. it's open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, everywhere it's opened. Yeah, and I think people are looking for the non-stops and the easier ways to get there. So, it's, yeah. Uh, um, and then Malaysia uh, is Malaysia Airlines is taking twenty A three thirty Neos. I didn't see this coming. Like that's seems they were an A three eighty shop, and then. 
they had some triple sevens, and now they're doing going with the eight. So they replaced the triple sevens with three fifties for the most part. Mm-hmm. The three eighties are more or less gone. They're still trying to sell them. Like mm-hmm. I've got six that are like literally like it's an eBay listing. Like come come buy our planes, please. They're desperate for anyone to take them, um, and that's not <laughs> happening. But they they actually have a pretty. Well, they have 21 A330 300s, the classics, mm-hmm. um, for their sort of regional-ish, uh, higher capacity, but not you know, medium-haul routes. So this is 20 replacing 21 um, with some I think, other 20 options. But that's the, the play here. And, f- and four years to get them delivered between 2024 and 2028. So. Yeah. One interesting bit about this is they're all leased. Uh, well, Avalon is handling all of the transactions. So 10 of these are coming out of the existing Avalon back order mm. or backlog. And then the other 10 are net new orders. That'll be a sale leaseback transaction. So they count as new orders for Airbus, but are sort of going into the Avalon book as well. Mm. Even though there'll be a direct delivery to, uh, to Malaysia airlines who will then immediately sell them to Avalon and then lease them. It's a financing thing. I love love airline financing, right? And airplane financing. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and then Asia is still pretty closed, right? Like, uh, I think I well, think we can all agree it's pretty closed. Japan and Korea, well, China, yeah, absolutely. Um, Thailand is sort of opening up. Malaysia is sort of opening up. There, there's bits of recovery, but uh, Japan and Korea, Japan definitely. I'm not actually sure what's going on in Korea, but I think it's South Korea is open. Actually. Is it? Yes. Interesting. Not fully open, but it is open, and then Japan is partially open. If you're part of a tour group, you can come. Yeah, in. which is not. I mean, like the number of tourist arrivals in Japan. I saw a graph the other day, and it's terribly depressing. But yes. all which is to say that Northern Pacific, our favorite 757 Anchorage-based uh, endeavor, regional, regional carrier, yes, <laughs> now starting to fly 757s or having other having uh, leader Islandic fly that for them um, can't make the business case work going to Japan like it wanted to. So they applied for permission to fly to Mexico instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to You got to adapt, right? Adapt or die. I yeah. can't imagine it's going to be from Anchorage. No, maybe. I mean, the planes have the range. That's not an issue, but like, I don't know what the demand is for traffic. Like what's, you know, how many passengers are looking to go Anchorage to Cancun? Yeah. And not stop in Seattle or LA, I guess. Even stop or otherwise. How many daily are trying to do that versus, I mean, honestly, Anchorage to Honolulu. Yeah. Right? Like Alaska Airlines does run that or has historically run that daily. I'm not sure if it still is. It is. Yep. Yeah. And they had Kona, I think, even at one point or Maui. Yep. So, Maui and Kona. And yeah. So I think there's, well. if you're looking for a beach, you know, that's much closer and easier in many ways. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do the West Coast or the East Coast of Mexico. Is it a mix uh, or? It doesn't say, excuse me, the uh, the application is sort of a, sometimes they list the specific route, sometimes they don't. Uh, these guys did not list the route, hmm. the routes, and basically said uh, full authority as permitted, which f- there are no real limits on which cities can be served. Hmm. I mean, I guess I could see them maybe doing, I mean, Mexico City, but I still, again, is there so, a demand for Mexico so City? Mexico City is super hard because it's slot controlled. Yeah. And it's getting... Well, I'd say reasonably time slots is hard. It's like almost impossible, but these guys strike me as the type of operation that doesn't really care as much about reasonable time slots. as so much They take the 3 a.m. arrival and not right. blink an eye. And, and call it like operationally useful. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's a little weird. I, did, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think the demand is there. I don't know. Isn't the 3 a.m. slot taken by Copa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Copa, God. They might, have to, they might have to take it slightly later, 3.15, or that might be Ivanka. You never know. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a problem. But, so we'll see where they end up flying. Also, like, all this is predicated on the theory that they actually end up flying. Yeah. Yeah. We'll For see. example, they still, <laughs> it's still unclear if they have... What, what's going on with like their internal or their you know their actually owned aircraft configurations as opposed to the leased ones? Mm-hmm. And that was I mean they had their big unveiling in January, and one might have assumed that by now with it you know the interior was half done that they'd be finished, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they are, but they haven't told anyone. No, and they plan to launch service using the leased planes. So yeah, be interesting. Um, we were just talking about Japan. Uh, Delta is starting H- Haneda service from LAX and Honolulu. So we'll do 3X from LAX uh, starting uh, October 30th. And then they'll go daily on December 1st. Uh, and then they'll do daily from Honolulu uh, starting December 1st with 763. Yeah. Uh, do they know something we don't? So like I say that one, opening? The, the press release is basically predicated on the idea that Japan is, should be starting to open up again soon. This is what we're scheduling. Yeah. Um, who knows if it'll actually happen? I mean, but Japanese people can leave, right? Because most of that would be, tra- I mean, at least Honolulu would be trafficked for all the yeah. Japanese do, tourists. Do they not have uh, they, quarantine when they go home? They have quarantine when they go home. But that's it. But after being cooped up for two years, you might not care. Yeah, I think. I mean, I agree, Foz. I, I think like it's it's maybe serve, especially Honolulu. I think it's serving maybe the Japanese population more than it is. Uh, it's not, Americans. It's not really a business market. Yeah, yeah. And the seven six three doesn't have a ton of seats, so yeah, kind of works. Um, although, I mean, also A and A is bringing back its three eighties into that route, right? Or Narita, but still. Yeah, I mean, I can, then then I, I definitely think it's Japanese tourism. Yeah, more than anything else. Also, so. I mean, New Sky Club in Haneda finally opened. So oh, interesting. I didn't know they it, were building one. Yeah, the, this club features a premium bar serving seasonal cocktails, wines, beers, spirits, and Japanese sake, all of which are complimentary for guests. Mm-hmm. A specially made-to-order noodle bar staffed by a dedicated chef will provide a delicious taste of the popular regional cuisine. The buffet bar will serve international and Asian-inspired meals prepared with fresh seasonal ingredients in the club's restaurant-quality kitchen. Really trying to compete with the uh, ANA and Jow. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it sounds a lot like the ANA club with the noodle bar. So. Yeah. I, I'm actually... I, I think that will be an interesting development or a thing to see is how Delta comes out of COVID at Haneda. Like as, as things change in Japan yeah, and as they try and build this network up, because remember they were trying to kind of tout this partnership with, with Korean. And so, right. But the Korean is for onward connections, right? When yeah. the Haneda slots became available, Delta lobbied strongly to be able to move all of their services to Haneda and yep. essentially give up. Narita and got it. So like, everything's at Haneda now. And it was supposed to all take place January 2020 or, Fe- or March 2020 and obviously didn't. No, I, I think what I'm where I'm going, though, is is that Korean connection thing going to going to hold up after COVID? Like, is it, what's going to happen with Delta trying to connect passengers there? Like, I, they haven't brought back Portland, Seoul um, or, you know, started it. They announced yeah. it. They never started it. Um and those folks were typically, I mean, I think that's the only reason they can make Portland Narita work was because they were connecting passengers onward as well as O&D. Yeah, no, so. I, I agree that they will, the success depends on having the onward traffic um, and at Seoul. Yeah. But 
I, I think that'll come back. I mean, we've got to see what, how quickly Korean builds back its network. Yep. Didn't they also like reduce a drop, drop a bunch of the routes out of Narita as well, out of Japan and whole, right? They like don't the Manila and stuff. Yeah, they dropped pretty much everything beyond. Yep. Because I think part of that was they wanted the Haneda slots, so they said, "Well, we'll give up everything." Yeah. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun few years. <laughs> um, so we talked about Tailwind, a few, I think, a few times on the show. Uh, and we mentioned that there was potential for them to launch a, a DC service. Um, and Seth, I think you, I'll let you take it from here. I was skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, As we all were. We all were. Uh, they seem to have found a way to do it. Um, and that way is College Park, Maryland. <laughs> College Park Airport, but you didn't know they had one, is located... A half mile from the College Park Metro Station on the Green Line. It's a 2,600-foot long runway, so tiny. Um, But when you're flying a Cessna Caravan, it turns out that that's plenty of distance. And it's inside the restricted zone for D.C., Mm -hmm. but they seem to have come up with a way to get their pilots properly registered and sort that out. It's also the oldest continually operated airport in the world. Uh, 1909 (laughs) was formed. So some interesting bits of history there, but yeah, they are going to fly double daily during the week from the East river to college park, Maryland. I want that line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's super interesting. I wonder is if we college- go, we can, uh, it's BOGO. They're actually running a buy one, get one sale for the first couple weeks of service. So you know, oh. you snag that. I'm disappointed. They're not landing on the lake. That's just North of the airport. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's. It's super interesting to me that the, the way that they're approaching this. Obviously, just because you know, like you're going into a part of the uh, region that is very much not what people think of when they think of flying into DC. Yeah, um, there's some. You know, there. There. One thing they acknowledge is that because of the, the distance, it's about eighty or ninety minutes in the air, mm-hmm. which is obviously longer than the 30 to 40 that a typical shuttle flight takes, but they're banking on the overall total travel time as well as being shorter just because you don't have taxi delays. Now you're not stuck as number 48 at Gordia. Yep. Uh, and having, you know, other, you know, no line for security park for free at the uh, terminal in college park and just walk onto the plane. Um, obviously they're not doing, they're not looking at extended trips because there's still a 20 pounds per person baggage limit. Yep. So, you know, it's for like day trips and overnights. Um, but yeah, it's, I, you know, I, I still, I, I asked, I spoke with the, one of the co-founders about this and sort of other stuff, like who are your passengers? What's going, you know, who's actually paying for this? Because they're not cheap. The, the cheapest fare is $400 one way. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, and so, he, he does say with scale, they expect for that to start to come down, but they're not there yet. But, Wait, what's the, so who's the target for this? Like College Park really isn't close to. So they're room. arguing, you know, it's twenty five minutes to Georgetown, which at two in the morning is true, but not at ten thirty when the flight lands. Um, right? There, there, there's a lot of fuzzy numbers in their analysis, but um, obviously, if you're staying up on that side of town, you're very much in the demographic. There's the sort of northeastern suburbs up there that are. Um, very much in play. I, I don't know how much 
is people focused on sort of frequent trips. He did say that there's a lot of VFR traffic visiting friends and relatives. Mm. Um, probably on par with the business travel they see. But who's who's going to spend 400 bucks to go visit friends and relatives? There's only eight seats, so they only need a few of them. Right, that, that's sort of what I tried to get out of him as well. It's like, how many do you have to sell for this to work? And he didn't give me an exact number, but it's there's only eight seats on board. They're not selling a ton of it. They don't have to siphon off too much traffic from the regular shuttle or train or bus service. But he said about half their customers are doing three plus times, three plus flights a year. Hmm. Wow. So they do have a pretty, uh, I don't say loyal, but a decent return base of traffic and they're continuing to grow. I, I agree, Foz. I remain hundred percent skeptical of like who the hell's going to keep paying these pretty high prices, but there's enough people apparently looking to sort of have that consistency and avoid the challenges um, that they're willing to do it. But I mean, this is what I don't understand, right? You can, Within a, even within a week at this point, you can fly Newark to DC for under 200 bucks. Yes. That's half that cost. So, yeah, even if you're in the Northeast suburbs, if you're going to take the train, like it's, it's still a substantial amount of money. Yeah. I, and so, right, there, there are people, though, who will pay for speed. Um, this is not necessarily faster, but it's more consistent. Um, and there's people who will pay for avoiding the chaos these days. It's not quite to the level of chartering your own flight, but if you can get what is essentially a, you know, at most eight people, so seven others, and assume that they're not running super high load factors, you can get sort of effectively a charter flight for, you know, if a couple people go, maybe a thousand bucks for 1200 bucks for three people. Mm. Like it's not the worst deal in the world in that context, especially when you can, you know, pull up at the either end. Yeah. You gotta be willing to, you know, the East River has to be convenient for you, so that is a limiting factor. But yeah, I, mean, I, I don't entirely get it, but that's sort of what they're going for. So, I mean, I think another interesting piece of this, right, is that like even the Boston flights are three ninety five, right, one way, yeah, from the East River. So clearly, they're. I mean, and they're making that work. So clearly, that convenience well, factor are they? But yeah, I mean, yeah, we I mean, we don't know, but. Um, and interestingly enough, on their website, we're doing this a day early. It says now fly up to two times daily between Manhattan and Washington D.C. Did they already update their own website? It's like at the top of the booking. I think they did it on nice ac- accident. Uh, <laughs> Oops. So uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's not cheap to go even go to Boston, and yeah. arguably that's you know just yeah. the same type of trip, right? If you consider yeah, if, if you consider it a, a premium cabin adventure. Walk up fares on LaGuardia DCA are four fifty, three eighty nine to four fifty for a one way in first. Mm-hmm. So it's a little closer to that if you're if that's the type of traveler you are. Now again, the business people doing that probably should have a corporate discount somewhere. But, but that's not VFR traffic, correct? But that is a chunk of what he's. You know, he said there's people that are, there's a lot of people he said that are doing the. There also is a decent number of sort of the one and done sort of experiential. A group us. of us are going, yeah, <laughs> or a group of friends going to see a show in New York, and we'll fly down from Boston Harbor because it's nifty. But see, Boston is different because it's in Boston. True. This, is, this isn't even in the district. It'd be one thing if they were doing it off the river, but they're doing it out of College Park. Yes, CC-ish. Ish, <laughs> and and uh, the 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 metro station is a little bit of a hike from the airport. 
half mile. It's, it's about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's not it's, in the station, but like it's, it's not quite as good as DCA. But it also, the press release cites the very frequent uh, metro service, and I'll be like, "Have you seen any news about metro lately? Because nothing is frequent there." Uh, there's, there's a lot of problems in the press release. So we should get into some of that in the, in the uh, Patreon portion of the episode. I don't want to be too. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. So, so uh, yeah, I'm looking. It's in. It looks like it's in uncontrolled. Let's see. A tower, I thought, but no tower. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like you go through DC um, control to get access because yeah. there has to be some access there if it's a restricted airport. So that's interesting. Interesting stuff. Um, let's see. Russia cannibalizing their own planes for spare parts. It's not good. Not good, boys. No. Uh, uh, Aeroflot has asked the Russian government for guidance on what's allowed <laughs> in terms of certifying the parts as they take them off of old planes and move them to new or to, you know, remaining planes for, right, because like time-limited parts and whatever, you have limits and they're assumed to be new when they come in. So they're asking for guidance on what's going to be allowed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm having visions of the old United mixed livery planes. Except this time it's going to be the engines and everything else. Man, <laughs> details. So you put a JT9D on a 777. What's the worst that could happen? It'll work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be perfect for those circular runways. <laughs> Asymmetric uh, thrust, it might actually take off. <laughs> and just keep going in circles? Well, sure. You know, the corkscrew up. It would be great. Space travel for free. Um, and then Boeing is moving engines from their completed but parked Max's Maxon to new builds, um, more likely to deliver. What do you mean? So they're taking their engines off of planes that they finished and putting them on so, planes that they're about to finish? For many years, they were building Maxes that weren't yet ready. Like Even while it was grounded, they were still building many a month, and then they slowed it down eventually. But um, there's a whole bunch of planes that are supposed to go to China at some point. Mm-hmm. And this comes from Liam News. Um, it's pretty uh, respectable and trustworthy on this sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, they are basically um, ordering extra wing weights to hold the, end, hold the wings in place, cement blocks that they can pull engines off of these planes that we're going to theoretically go to China and you put them on new airplanes that are going elsewhere in the world. Because given the uh, most recent situation with Taiwan, mainland China deliveries are going to not happen for a while, it would seem. Yeah. Uh, So they they take the engines off those, put some wing weights on. Yeah. So like the wings don't break, but yeah. uh, Also speaks to the whole, Engines are a problem in the industry, right? Air Baltic says they've got six planes grounded out of their fleet of like 35 because mm. there's a problem getting spare parts from Pratt & Whitney. Um, engines are apparently a problem. Foss's favorite. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, and then Delta is allowed to cut flights at LaGuardia, JFK, and DCA without losing slots and blames very high sick rates. Foss, you I, found this one. Yeah. I mean, Foss, like, what's the story? Oh, you're on mute. Oh, I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> um, they ba- uh, basically um, asked for an exemption for slot utilization so they don't lose them, so they could drop a bunch of flights. But the inter- the really surprising statistic in this is that they are seeing a 45.1% uh, 
sick rate, increase in sick time from increase. 2019. Yeah, from 2019. Wow. On just the pilots alone. Are you are you surprised by that, or are you more surprised that, that JFK and LaGuardia gave in? I don't think it was up to them. I it's think the DOT. Yeah. No. Um, I, I mean, I'm a little surprised they gave in, but only a little. Unfortunately, they they're going to say we protect the slot. They regulators are protecting the incumbents with those slots every which way they can. Well, the question that comes up is who's going to who else is going to ask for that now? Yeah. Right. Right. And so, is do the airlines use this as a ploy to reduce capacity to drive up uh, revenue? Right. That is the trade off that they're making. So we go from we go from three a day to two a day or one a day to DCA now on a certain route, and now the fare is uh, double or triple what it was a week ago. Exactly. Yeah. But the, I mean, the sick time thing was really surprising, right? It's I'm not. It's a little surprising. It's not very surprising in my mind. I'm sorry. Like we saw as we we saw the number of people you know getting sick increase in the. The COVID rates haven't dropped. No, just the death rate. Yeah. So, so people are still getting COVID. It's, uh, you know, and the CDC just said, you don't need to quarantine anymore. So yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this continues. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised by the number, I guess, 45%. It's a 45% up. increase. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that part is surprising that it's up that much. Um, but yeah, I guess I, where your pilot base is, too, depends on. How, what that number is, I guess. I mean, I would have thought like 20, 30% maybe, but 45 seems very high. And I'd be curious to see what United and American are seeing. Do you think that if United or American, you know, tried to do this, which they probably will, they'll have to give their numbers uh, to, to make it viable? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, American had, what was it? I was reading something last month that American had the most cancellations out of any of the airlines. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Um, JetBlue moving more mint planes to LAX, and they're getting another transatlantic market? So the, a new transatlantic route has sort of been talked about for a long time. Uh, it's coming soon. Uh, it'll be, who knows, but it's they said they'll announce before the end of the year and start it in the first half of next year, so in time for next summer peak. Um, and that's based in large part on the new deliveries that are slated to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got, I think, a dozen or so 321 neos coming in and almost uh, most of them are in the mint configuration so some are long haul mint and some are short haul mint but uh so the lrs right and then uh i think it's three lrs and five regular mint and then a few of the 200 seaters uh but they the they said that they're going to put most of those new mint planes in uh in la as the base which was weird and I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do with them out there because there's right there's only if someone was saying they they aren't even running their full uh, level of what they had proposed to run pre-COVID as they were trying to super ramp up uh, mint services across the country, but also that like they had enough planes for that in theory. Yeah. So they don't need five more just to get to that, and then you've got what what else is going on? Um, it's it's interesting to me. Do you think they're like trying to put? A little pressure on uh, Breeze in LA, but with Mint. Well, I mean, fly, yeah. fly some random routes like Raleigh Durham or something with it. Not with Mint. <laughs> I don't know. You know, they have Raleigh. Actually, it's on the route map. Oh, it is as yeah. as Mint. Huh. 
Uh, no, it's regular. But okay. uh, also, well, that's another interesting thing is there's a it's it's on the route map sort of. They are keeping a bunch of routes suspended, so that's te- that's one of the currently suspended routes, and it's remaining suspended for several months into 2023 while they still try to get things uh, stabilized. But is LA the market you really want to enter and grow in? So JetBlue is relatively small there and has stated that that's a growth focus. Um, my question is, when, you know, what does this mean for Hawaii? Right, That's the perfect plan to go to Hawaii for them. Yeah, Get the premium traffic. People do love the mint service, self-included. Right? There, there's, they can drive a certain yield premium there. But also... Huge competition, especially Hawaiian and United wide bodies. I'm not sure if Americans still doing wide bodies out of there. No, United doesn't really have wide bodies out of LA anymore. anymore. It's okay. like me, my one a day to Honolulu. Everything else is mostly maxes. Yeah, uh, but it, I mean, the, between it'd come AA, back in a hurry if Mint showed up. I bet between AA, Delta, Alaska, Hawaiian, yeah, American, and United, Hawaii and Southwest. Is, and Southwest. Hawaii is not the market you want to go into. Yeah, I I wouldn't. Also, United when they bring their triple sevens back, they'll start. Right as the rolls, the the old triple sevens come back. Those will come back. The Prime new ones. I bet the LA schedule is back again. Some of those are already back at this point. Yeah, but not all of them, and they're working it back anyway. So, so I mean, if they, I mean, I guess JetBlue is the kind of airline at this point that makes kind of weird decisions, so they're unpredictable. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I could see them doing LA to Honolulu, or maybe could they do like LA to. Mexico? I don't think that could, Yeah. I don't think that but I don't think that would pull mint traffic. Uh, Cancun is a mint route right now. LA mint. LA hmm. Cancun I believe is a mint route. Hmm. I don't know what else you would fly this premium right. Yeah. They have uh not San Jose but Liberia. Yeah. Was proposed as a mint route. Um hmm. I'm not sure if it's still operating or not. Like they, they you start running into range issues. You can't get much past Panama. So um, you can't do South America. You can't do real South America. So no. I mean, maybe L.A. Miami, which I'm sure is already a mint route, isn't it? Do they even do L.A. Miami? They do yeah. Fort Lauderdale. They, yeah, no, they do Miami. That was a big deal. So, I mean, I, I could see some of the transcons. Yeah, maybe one maybe. of the other ideas that came up was could they use these planes and take over some of the American frequencies for the Northeast Alliance? And But American has the subfleet of the 321Ts. I don't know where else they'd use them. So Yeah. That would, I mean... I think that would hurt American more than anything. Like yeah. they're already not serving a ton out of LA anymore. So yeah. Also you'd lose F traffic and it's not really a joint venture. So why would they? Yeah. It's vaguely coordinated schedules, but that's it. Yeah. It's weird, weird yeah. stuff. Um, I said even coordinated schedules. It's like the worst, it's the worst sort of partnership. <laughs> it's like, they have no real part They're desperate for approval and they have to go through the DOT, but they don't really have all the benefits. It's a very weird one. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that wraps up the show. We're going to talk about some Allegiant, uh, uh, I guess, misgivings or frustrations. Um, We're going to talk about Uber and uh, Emirates with some unlimited caviar and other things um, on the bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers. And we just wanted to say thank you to some new patrons, Joshua L, Joseph P, Chance S, Ethan, and Gabriel E. Thank you for supporting the show. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. Happy travels. Take care. Catch you later.